Hello there. Hi. I'm Paige. I'm Megan. And this is Mindful Body and Soul. How goes it? Um, pretty good. How are you? Good ready for tomorrow to be Friday. Mm-hmm. We have a tea this evening? Yeah, I'm drinking a new tea. Um, that Walking Wild is, is putting out just starting this week. It's called Winterberry White Tea. So it's got um, white peony tea leaves, but then the berry part of it is blackberries, blueberries, elderberry, rose hips, and lingonberries. And it's kind of like, it's a subtle tea like white teas are, but it's got this like sweetness and tartness from the berries and they're all like really high in vitamin C and just like good for, you know, the season, like the winter season and stuff. But it's really delicious. I'm really enjoying it. I need some immediately. I told Michael that I was gonna drop you guys some tea on uh, Monday or Tuesday because um, I've been making, well, not tea, but I've been making mulling spices that I'm gonna be selling at the market this week. And um, I'm gonna stop off and get that really good apple cider again tomorrow from that roadside stand. Pages. Pages, yeah. So I'll get you guys a jug of that and I'll bring you some mulling spices this week, but I can bring you a winter berry too. Yeah, that sounds delicious. (laughs) I'm excited, I haven't tried this yet, but I wanna make an elderberry um, syrup. I usually make that in winter for like, to make sure Eddie and I don't get the flu but I think I'm gonna make that and then try like putting that in the tea so it would just be like super like berry and delicious yeah I want to know elder elderberry has been like I don't know the last couple days I've been having it a ton and I had the uh I had kickstart today and I put it in my teapot and I didn't have enough and then I was like that what do I put in here so then I felt like a wizard because I had an L like a just like a handwritten it's not even a walking wild bag it's like a handwritten bag from you that's very old that just says elderberry and it's got like a whole bunch of stuff in it but I smelled it and then I smelled the kickstart and was like I think this will work I don't need to get there I felt like a mad scientist but it's good it's what I'm drinking right now awesome yeah that's super fun that's like my favorite thing to do with tea you know I mean I spent a lot of time on the formulas that I put together that I actually sell, but like, I don't drink walking wild formulated teas every day. I mostly just experiment with stuff and just put things together that feel like they're going to feel good in my body. And then just like drink whatever I feel like. And not some of the formulas like come from that. And some things I just drink because they taste good to me, but I don't create anything. You know, it's fun to experiment. And just put stuff together that tastes good. I love it. It really does make me feel like a wizard. When you guys lived here and you were kind of like first starting Mm -hmm. to create your blends and my mom was here and we did a tea tasting. No, that was really, I mean, that was the very beginning of this business. I started walking wild while I was staying at your house. Missed that. You want to come back? Yeah. Move back in. uh, That was a special time. I liked that summer. It was so good. Our garden was so happy. So today we are talking to one of my dearest friends. I'm so excited to talk to her. We're talking to Danielle Matai. She is the, um, well, I know her originally as a 
co-explorer of yoga. We, uh, we met in our yoga teacher training and then we started doing all kinds of creating things together. She's been just like this incredible creative support for me in my business and in my life. Um, but I asked her how she wanted to be introduced and she just gave this amazing um, introduction. So I'm just gonna read what she wrote. She said, professionally in her day job life, she's a lead contracting analyst for the MITRE Corporation, but her preferred title is Mama, co-founder of Roots to Rise, which is a cold pressed juice, alternative milk, vegan and vegetarian restaurant serving, serving locally sourced goodness. And she's also a community builder, a feeder of all things delicious, volunteer, partner, and friend. And then she says, and this is something that I want to challenge her on. She says, I would throw the title chef in there, but I still feel like just another home cook. I'm working on accepting the fact that I, if I owned a restaurant in the future, I guess I would be a chef. And I want to push back on that. She is 150% a chef. She's one of the most fabulous chefs that I have ever had the pleasure of getting to uh, be nourished by. Um, her food is just so, first of all, delicious, but second of all, it is so intentional. She puts together locally sourced food, healthful food, um, food that's in its season, and then she creates these flavor combinations and this just real like care in the development of her flavors and of her, um, the way that the food kind of nourishes the body. It, and I've never met anybody who cooks the way that Danielle does. And like with the like love that she does, when you, even when you're drinking a juice or one of her nut milks or eating a soup she's created, it's just truly nourishing. That's the only word I can think of to describe. Like it's truly nourishing to the whole body and you can feel the love that she puts into her food. My, oh, my like first intro to her food was in the mother's day basket that you brought for me. And mm -hmm. I like, I desperately need more, <laughs> just more all the time. I'm so excited to tell her how good it was. Yeah. She, I mean, she's really like such a beautiful chef and, and too, I love that she identified like that. She's such a community builder. Um, that's absolutely how I've experienced her too, is, I mean, she's an incredible friend and a really wonderful support one-on-one, -on -one, but she's also just has this incredible gift, which I hope we get to talk to her about, but this gift of making connections and joining people that she knows together who she can kind of see are good fits. And she makes these connections that builds a community around her that's incredibly vibrant and spirited and joyful. It's just really a lot of, it's a lot of fun to know her. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yay, hi. Yes, we can. Hello. Hi, lovely ladies. How are you doing this evening? Good. That's so, so good. Good. Oh, I love that wood space that you're in. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is my uh, loft turned baby, baby play zone. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. It used to be a very like idyllic little room with bookshelves and armchairs and we'd have coffee up here and then then we had a baby and now then the babies come now it's a playroom <laughs> there's still there's still books it's just a little less calm up here it's still a bit pretty eaves of your log cabin still but oh yeah it's still the best spot in the house that's why it's the play playroom yeah i've formally met before no oh no, this is such a like i feel like i know you and i'm like hugging you through the screen right now because I've heard so much through Megan about you and it's just Aww. such a joy to get to see you face to face. 
Well, I just am grateful for the opportunity to finally uh, thank you myself for your amazing granola. It's my favorite granola. I ask Megan about it almost daily. Like, can you, when do you see Danny? Can you give me more granola? I need more granola. Granola I should have given you some to go. I didn't even think of it. Yeah. Well, I just read your introduction before we let you in, uh, your amazing description of all of the incredible things that you are and do. But do you want to introduce yourself for the purpose of the podcast? Yeah. So my name is Danielle DeBrew, and I am a little bit of everything, and I think I'm still just a big work in progress. But day job, I spend about 30 hours a week working as a contracts lead at the MITRE Corporation, and then my dream joy job, I get to do Roots to Rise, which is this amazing dream that Eddie and I created. And it's a cold fresh juice, nut milk, vegan and vegetarian fair restaurant that only operates at farmer's markets right now, but will hopefully have a brick and mortar soon. And then favorite titles, of course, are mom. I think that's my most important gig right now. Awesome friend and, and love to all the people in our community, which is pretty much anyone in the world for me. I'm just like this big squishy heart community person. Yeah. And partner. I mean, I, that, that's, I think that would be me. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's amazing. That's exactly, how I just, that's exactly how I just described you in the intro. I was like, she's just an amazing partner. Like just somebody like you want to do, like we want to collaborate with. And that's my dream. Like literally someone comes to me and it's also the place where like you and I have talked, it's so hard to hold the boundary because people come up with these amazing ideas and concepts and they're like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. And you're like, yeah, like, let, let's do this. Let's all just get together and create. Mm-hmm. Um, and then time runs out and then you go, oh, what's, what's my role? Like, where do I fit and how do I hold the space for one thing and still do the things that I need to do in life? And yeah. That's why I love your podcast because it's really teaching me how to find those places of self-care actually. So <laughs> thank you for doing this. This is so important. So the, the like thing that I wanted to ask you about primarily for the, and you know, like the format of this podcast is that we don't really ask any questions. We just sort of chit chat. Yeah. But, you know, originally when I had thought of you, I was thinking of you in this context of community building, because it is, you know, I've, I've talked to you about this before, like it's absolutely your superpower is like bringing people together and connecting people and like, you know, creating these amazing communities around you. And that is like my biggest challenge. Um, you know, I've, I've shared on the podcast before that like my first thing to go out the window when it comes to wellness practices, if I'm stressed or overwhelmed or whatever, are my relationships. I'm just like, ah, you know, like I'll just like retreat, go into my cocoon and don't, you know, engage. And so one thing that's like, I, you know, this is super I didn't mean to make this whole question about myself, but it is because you know what? Like my entire life changed after I met you. Genuine, like everything in my life that I have outside of like my family and a couple of close friends that live in different places, um, everything that I have here in my home is because I know you. Oh my um, gosh. You're it's genuinely the case because when, when we first met, I was super deep in my interior space. I had been really depressed for a couple of years. I had no friendships, no interest in like engaging with people. And you just like, <laughs> we always joke you just like jumped uh jumped up and said like we're gonna be friends come into my community yeah <laughs> you know what's funny I, it was meant to be though because I, like I met you from across the room in yoga and I was like oh that's my friend like that's supposed to be my friend Megan so we're just gonna do some things and that that was exactly it but you were actually the one that reached out to me you have to remember you were the one that was like hey I have this great idea for a supper club where we do teas and 
a big meal, like, do you want to collaborate? So you are probably already there. But I do love to build community. It is where it feels intimidating or overwhelming for other people. It gives me so much joy, like just the connection that I feel. And I was thinking about it for this podcast. Like we talked about, you know, what are your wellness practices? And something that I struggle with is when I feel overwhelmed, I have a tendency to do what you you just described, which is retreat. And I either get angry or sad. And like, I just go internal and I don't even want to be touched. It's like this shutdown mechanism where I feel like it's like a physical building of a brick wall or an instant iron sheet that shuts down. So what I've been really practicing, and this is something that helps me with community and being close to others is when I start feeling that way, I actually give somebody a hug. <laughs> and it sounds counterintuitive, but I think there's really something to it where there's like that connection, that heart space where like you're feeding somebody with your emotional well-being or the love that you feel and you get it back in return. And it, it almost generates more love or compassion or space um, instead of shutting down into that space. And so I think with you, I just like grabbed you. I was like, you're my friend and we're just going to keep building. And it's been like a love fest ever since. So. Really <laughs> true love fest. Well, and I, I love, I do want to dive more into like the ways in which you build community. Cause I think that is such a beautiful wellness practice of like, if you're noticing that you're feeling lonely or feeling detached or feeling, you know, like you're retreating, like kind of taking a step forward or making we, we talked about this page a little bit with Melissa, like when you're feeling like, oh, I'm like getting out of my routine, like going to like your list of favorite people and being like, who can I reach out to today to like make me feel better? So I do want to dive into that more. But I also really am so interested in like that topic you already raised of like the boundary setting then like if, you know, part of your wellness practice is reaching out to your community or engaging with people, being open to opportunity, you know, being a yes person like being able to like say yes to adventure say yes to things that scare you which are all amazing practices how do we like be intentional with that and hold boundaries at the same time I am trying to figure that out (laughs) that is a great question and I think I trip myself up more often than succeed but that's always the learning process too and um Eddie is really really good my partner and all things life roots to rise all things he is so great at taking a lesson from that and helping me see it as that. It's like, Hey, you know, you can't, you won't know until you jump in, like jump in with both feet, full heart and see what happens on the other side. Cause fear otherwise would hold me back. I think from a lot of not the people connection, I have that part nailed. I just, I see somebody, I feel them. And I, I think I just swallow them whole and like, okay, this is my person. <laughs> like you're meant to be in my life. And oh my gosh, can I introduce you to the next person that you're supposed to meet? And I feel like I'm that person just meant to be that, that connected person. But in terms of finding boundaries, I haven't figured out a good way to do that. I do get sometimes spidey sense. I do have that, like, Oh, I'm leaning into something that doesn't quite feel right. Or that, that gut, which I totally trust the gut on when things just don't feel good, but overall I'm a work in progress, (laughs) which aren't we all right. Megan, I would argue that you are excellent at building community. It just might not be in the way that you think it's supposed to be. Because until you said that of like, oh, it's this thing that I struggle with. It was like that I never would have crossed my mind as something about you. And it's also the opposite is what I like 
think of when I think about you as far as being so open to building community, because every time we talk, it's like, oh, I've got a friend or, oh, I know a person or me and this woman or me. Like you are constantly seeking those things out. And I don't know, I don't know what the difference is from the outside versus being in it that maybe makes you feel that way. If there's something about the relationships that maybe you're not feeling the sense of community that you are looking for, or that might make you feel like you have it. But from the outside, I, I super feel like you do. Yeah. You know what you're pointing out is so amazing because it's the difference for me between wellness and non-wellness. So when I'm well, there's people around me. I have people that I can reach out to. And in my like whole lifetime, I've been more well than not well. But the times that I've been really not well and really isolated, you know, self-isolated and really retreated into myself, those are the most painful times of my life, right? So they loom much larger in my mind. So like, you're probably totally right. You know, like that I, in the grand scheme of things, mostly have a lot of great people. And I don't mean to like belittle any of my friendships I've ever had or any of the community I've ever had, because that's not the case at all. But like, I do feel, when I feel isolated, I feel so in it that like, yeah, I feel like there's no chance I'll ever make a friend again, you know, <laughs> or I'll ever have a deep conversation again or whatever, just cause like, that's my, that's where I go when I'm not well. And like, yeah, I think that's just so visceral in my memory <laughs> that I think of it as being like more time than it actually was. Well, and probably a self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit too, of totally. being unwell totally. that you're telling yourself maybe an untrue narrative that absolutely okay I'm feeling unwell so I'm gonna isolate myself and then when I'm in that isolation that I that I put myself in I'm gonna tell myself I have no community and I don't know how to make one right no absolutely I'm gonna recommend a hug for that one <laughs> you're right that's, that's exactly- no, I'm, it's 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 what will get you out of being in your own self shell and body because oh, yeah. I know exactly that feeling that you're describing mm-hmm. and it's so easy to retreat it's so easy to it is to play the loop. I mean, the same loop that we've talked about where you you're in that samskara, you're in that like mm-hmm. record that just can't get off of the, the same turn yeah. and you hit the rut and then. Totally. Well, you know, and it plays in with boundaries too, right? Like boundaries are really great and important, but it all comes down to like the intention behind them, right? Like if my boundaries are set by fear or set by um, that narrative. Mm-hmm. So like if my boundaries are being set by the fact that I'm saying I'm an introvert, I require a lot of alone time. I can't have too many people asking things of me. So many people have things they need from me. So I can't call anybody back. I can't text anybody back. I have no friends, blah, 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 blah. You know, like if that cycle is creating my boundaries, then my boundaries aren't serving me. That's a bit, actually, Danny, when I talked about this like last week, like yeah. having boundaries is incredible, but we have to like re- constantly reevaluate what's the reason for the boundary. Yes. Because yes. if the reason for the boundary is fear or habit or, you know, whatever. Or different time and place, right? Like sometimes you create something in a time because it serves you in that time. And then what happens when you continue down that path and you still have that boundary? And unfortunately, it prevents what's next, what's possible. Yeah, that possibility is a good word for that. It's like what is possible is, is narrowed by boundaries, which is good but also, yeah, deserves reevaluation. <laughs> I would be really curious to know your opinion on 
self-labeling as introverted or extroverted, especially when it comes to this concept of making sure that you're creating a community or seeking one out. Because I think that also in, in the same vein of telling yourself or applying that label to yourself sets a boundary and sets an expectation for how you're going to be socially. And it's it, for me, it's something I've come to find the title of being introverted was a super unhealthy boundary for me. And when I've started to consider removing it, especially when I leave social interaction and really reflect on how it made me feel, I just don't, I don't think as terms that they should even exist. <laughs> I love that you said that Paige. I hadn't really considered it, but I don't like those labels for people just like I don't like the labels for kids when they take on something like, oh, you're shy. And then they own that, right? And then they're like, oh, I have to be shy because this is what my mom says I am. And this is what my dad says I am. And all of those things, like you take it on and then you make it part of your personality instead of ha having it be a, a momentary element. Like I'm, I'm shy right now because I just don't feel like interacting with people or I'm an introvert right now because I just need some self-love and some self-healing and separation. And I don't think I identify with being a complete extrovert. I think I'm definitely bouncy and <laughs> all over the place and will will probably say hi to any single person I meet anywhere just because it's my nature. And I don't think, you know, it's not something that I tell myself I am. It's just who I, you know, who I think I gravitate towards in, in most situations. But certainly, like, what is the benefit of the label? You know, like if I say I'm an extrovert and then I go out and I'm like, oh, now my role is to go and interact with every single person that I meet so that I can create community, that's doing a disservice. And actually that brings me to why Megan is the, like one of my most amazing partners. You have this gift of like soul connection, instant soul connection and slowness that I think I miss in my connections where like I'll gravitate towards people and I love them wholeheartedly, deeply but I'm bouncy and energetic and all over the place. And then I'm like, okay, bunny rabbit, here I go to the next thing. And it's not that I have completed that soul connection where you stay with this very long, deep and like passionate conversation with somebody. And I, I just appreciate that about you so much. Thank you. It's no, I mean, you're, you're one of the people I enjoy having those deep, passionate soul connection conversations with, but, um, you know, as you were just, you both were just re were saying that I was thinking about like, what's the function of the term introvert? Cause I've used it a bunch and, um, I've never used it for positive. <laughs> yeah. I'm only when, when I use it, I'm only using it either to turn somebody off, like to say like, <laughs> don't talk to me <laughs> or as an excuse for my behavior to say like, don't hold me accountable to being a good friend or showing up for you or, you know, engaging you in a conversation because I'm scared basically, you know, like, and so I think that's like, I've never used it to keep myself safe or to, you know, like to do any, it doesn't serve me positively. So cool. I like it. I'm on board. Let's not, let's stop using it. <laughs> I'm in. Sorry, my question just kind of turned into like, I would like to eliminate <laughs> I hear other people say all the time and every time I look at that person and I'm like, I don't, there's just, I've never met a human being in my life who falls into just introvert or just extrovert. And people really, 
claim it and it never feels, I don't know, that's so, that's so blanket of me to say, but it's never to me in my experience has never felt accurate or healthy. It's always used as this qualifying tool. Here's this thing about myself. I'm sorry. I'm so loud. I'm just super extroverted. I'm sorry that I'm not up for this. I just, I'm an introvert. And it's like, I love, I love that you're saying this. Qualifying our behavior with this characteristic that really should be uh, an adjective, an emotion, a transient state of being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So I had, I took this great test at work. I I don't even know what they, what they, I cannot think of what it's called. Strengths finders. And it talks about like, yeah, did you, yeah. It talks about like your top five out of 32, you answer like 200 questions and each one, you can only click a button one way or the other. And you have 30 seconds to answer. And it comes up with these top five traits that, you know, should be who you are as your whole life. And what I thought was so interesting was not only do they say, okay, we spend so much time on our deficits, trying to bring our deficits up to par with our strengths that can't grow very much, but we limit our strengths and actually try to push them down so that they don't shine for other people. So one of mine is positivity. That's actually my number one. It came out as like, oh, your number one thing is positivity. And the great thing is through the test, they tell you most people see that as you being naive or they don't think it's real but you can claim that and own that as like something that's a benefit to you. Like it's something that will help other people. And that's part of your gift of, you know, your five traits, whatever those things are. My second one is connectedness, which is hilarious because it's what we picked up on tonight. And that I see these interweavings in the world should be something that's beautiful. But again, other people can look at that and go, that's not real. And so when we let other people's external view, or we claim something that's negative onto ourselves that we've heard somebody else claim, which Megan, you always have that question about who said this and is this real? I've started doing that all the time when I think of something that, that limits me. And what's so interesting is like, when you know you're five and you can like own those and make them shine, how much more of a powerful force you are in owning those things. And even, even knowing that those other people will claim them as something else, but it, you know, ignoring that. And I think introvert just totally falls into that page. <laughs> Yeah. It's so interesting. That idea of like dulling the things that are strengths about you to try to get them so that you appear to be like a well-rounded person. You know, it's like, I come across as like even, so I'm going to work on like the lowest, you know, common denominator instead of like just letting the things that are amazing about me be amazing. That's so interesting. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Even. Hmm? Why do we want to come off as even? Where does that come from? and who knows episode end (laughs) (laughs) somebody please answer our our question (laughs) I think there's like that it's that bar of normalcy right like oh yeah we can't shine and all these different components and relate so we all try to like go into this weird bell curve middle instead of just be our own like unique awesome individuals yeah yeah, we all want to be normal. We all want to be like not particularly exceptional, you know, not weird, just kind of go on. Weird is cool. I mean, that's the thing that I find. I mean, I think that's the thing that, that drives me is like finding the difference in somebody and actually going, whoa, what a powerful being this is because they have this completely different way of looking at life or the world or what they're doing or the things that they're accomplishing. And that just brings me so much joy to see the weird. Who wants the the everyday or the person who's striving to be 
right in the middle. And I think, Paige, you have your, your little munchkin. And the hardest thing is watching children go through this, this period of like, they have their differentiator that's so strong in them and they're growing into it. And some wild other person fool <laughs> will knock it out of them, you know, and be like, Ooh, that's so weird. That's so different. And then they own that for how long, right? Like, and they try to normalize and normalize and like prune all these pieces off of their beautiful tree that don't seem like they fit, you know, with the norm. And it's really hard. And as a mama, I, I look at them and I'm like, okay, you are amazingly weird. You're so awesomely abnormal. And that's the gift that you have. And you can own all of that. But it, it's not the message that we like to share with our children. And it's something that's so so imperative to having people be different instead of dull their shine, you know? All this so good luck. <laughs> Go, Paige. Oh, I think, oh, th- trust me, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm team anxiety all the way when it comes to, to raising her as the future comes of like, I can't control all her inputs and she's going to see stuff and meet people and you want to protect them. But also if you're completely protected your whole life, you're probably going to be like, not an interesting person at all. You know, she's got to have experience and I'm, I'm cool with that, but dulling that shine is so heartbreaking to think about. And of all the things that I worry about for like a humankind future and where we're going and all the shitty things and that celebration of uniqueness, I'm not worried about. I, all the kids that I'm interacting with, you know, on my day-to-day in my work that I meet the parents I'm meeting, like maybe it's just, I'm in a bubble and, uh, you know, I don't know what the state of the rest, rest of the country or the world is, but I feel like this coming generation of kids is just awesome. You know, I've met so many kids who are like, my friend's a girl, but sometimes they say that they're a boy and it doesn't matter. I'm like, that's what (laughs) you don't even talk about it or that they're learning about pronouns that they're cool with just exploring being human beings and that new generations of teachers are influencing that and that they're just I just I feel really hopeful about the type of people that are coming I just have yeah I have a lot of doom about a lot of other things but not really about what kind of people like I think we are on a trajectory of more inclusivity of all yeah and just celebration of uniqueness instead of singling it out or pointing it out for the for the sake of saying you're an other but saying like oh you're an other that's cool you know I think it's the same it's just where it comes from it's the same same practice. You're still pointing it out, but you're pointing it out in a positive way. That's kind of like what we were talking about earlier today, Danny, about like the language around sexuality, like that there's just like a much like broader diversity of language to describe like the whole spectrum of sexuality. And knowing that there's all these other ways of describing sexuality is just, it's, it is very freeing. Cause it's just like, oh, look at all my different words that I didn't know used to exist, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like reopening the history books. You know what I mean? Like you just start thinking about how people boxed and labeled and how we're removing the boxes and kind of giving us free for all space for possibility. I just wish people would be kinder to it, like on a day to day. And Paige, I love that you're in the work of seeing the children that are in that space and like giving them 
that joy back or reflecting it back in what you do. I think that's very cool. I think it will continue to be, you know, I mean, it is work, right? Like it's not just being like observing it and being like, whoa, that's neat. The world's changing, but it's like engaging with it and saying like, how can I, you know, I don't have children, but how can I, for the people around me, help hold space and do that work to like Mm -hmm. allow for difference, not just allow for it, but like welcome it, invite it, preserve. And I am hopeful as a world kind. Yeah. So hard in the microcosm of being Mm -hmm. a mama. I think that's what it is. And watching my own children navigate this space and try not to get caught up in their momentary upsets and allow them to be and grow through them. I mean, it's the same thing. I think that probably every mama feels, but like when you're watching your child get knocked down or struggle and all you want to do is be like, okay, this too shall pass. It's okay. Or like, you know, that it's the cuddling. It's the, the ease of, of, of taking away that some of the struggle, whether it's a personal struggle and, and uh, you know, educational struggle, whatever it is, and not making it so hard because life feels hard sometimes for them. And I just, you know, I feel like I have an ease about most of my life now and I'm watching them have to get to the place of ease. And that is, that's tough. It's just tough for me, but I'm hopeful. (laughs) I, I will join you guys in the ranks of like people having the possibility to be more free and within their body and their realm and their weirdness their their coolness I mean that's well you know it, it is like it's what we're doing here right like what we're doing here is talking about how to be well how to undo or unlearn all the like restrictions that we've placed on ourselves yeah. or that others have placed on us and like that's <laughs> like you know none of us I don't think would say that we're there or done so like even it you know it is I mean I I can't relate with, with how you're describing, just because I haven't had kids of my own, but I can't imagine how hard it must be to watch the layering on of restrictions with full knowledge that like, eventually you're going to figure out a way to like, let these go and become your full explosive expression of yourself again. But like, it's a hard, it must be a really hard process to watch, to watch the layering on of the dulling. Well, and think about even personal layering on, like I think about your story or my story where we had an inkling of what we wanted to do, but it wasn't a feasible path in life, right? Like I really wanted to cook, like knew from the time I was nine, making weird bubblegum soda concoctions in my grandma's kitchen and making her try every weird thing I gave her. And she was like, this is good. (laughs) No, but she was so supportive. And like, you know, you get there and you're like, oh, my grandma thinks I'm good. And then we go to culinary school together and that's not a viable option, you know, for one reason or another, or you, you knew, you've always known that you were going to be a gardener and, and like getting rid of the self telling you that that's not a viable option, but also whatever the societal impact was that came down on you that layered that. And it's, it's just interesting breaking through those bonds and then watching society kind of have to break through those bonds at the same time. Yeah. Right. I hated, um, (laughs) This isn't going to be too much of a statement. This is too strong, but I'll walk it back. I hate it. I like it. I hate being in my 20s. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I totally agree. Yeah. 20s were the worst. It's hard because like I so spent all of my 20s thinking I should, should, should. And, but thinking, but I was mature enough to be able to see the layers, which is like the worst. Like at least when you're like in your teens, you're layering on all that dulling stuff. But if, if you're partying and having a good time doing it, it's like what you're supposed to be doing somehow. Yeah. So you're like, I think I'm going the right way, you know, as you like put on the, the layers over your light. And then 
in my 20s, I felt like I could see that I was hiding my light, but I didn't know how to take off the layers yet. And then like, yeah, somehow in my 30s, there's just all of a sudden I was like, ah, you know, like, and it's, it's work. It's not that they just all fell off and it's over, but I'm at least able to see how to yeah. start removing the stuff and I can notice it, I can name it. And I can start saying like, okay, I'm working toward like taking off all of these, like whatever they are, heavy coats that I've been wearing all this time and be like freer. But yeah, I didn't like that. When I was in my 20s, everybody I knew that was in their 30s said that to me. They were like, just wait till you're 30, it'll get better. And I was like, yikes, that can't be the case, you know, but. it's hard to hear when you're 20, right? It's hard to hear because also you don't want to waste your time. Like that was my most painful thing that I kept hearing. Like when I, I I've told this story before. I don't know that I've told on this podcast though, but when I first didn't want to practice law anymore in the traditional sense was one year after I started practicing law and really was earlier. It was my first year of law school, but I was saying to everyone around me in law school, like, I don't think I want to do this. And because law school was hard, everybody else was like, yeah, me either. But I didn't know that they actually did. <laughs> they were just like, they were just commiserating like, oh yeah, this sucks. But like, they still actually wanted to be lawyers. I thought we all really genuinely didn't. <laughs> and, um, and then, but then as I, I was practicing, I practiced for one year and I wanted to leave the traditional practice and start doing something else. And every single lawyer that I talked to said, I hear what you're saying, like being a lawyer sucks, but you really should stick with it for at least 10 years. And then you can do whatever you want. And that was like everybody I talked to, even people who had done the 10 years and then left said like, oh, it's really worth doing the 10 years. And I was just thinking, I'm like 24, thinking like, surely not. I'm not going to waste all this time doing something that I know I don't want to be doing. And that was <laughs> I mean, super painful because, you know, people are, are looking at you saying like, trust me, just do this for 10 years. But you know what? People said that to me before I went to law school. Trust me, just don't go to law school. You'll hate it. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not, I'm, I don't know what to do now in my twenties. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, suck it, Paige. <laughs> I have I'm in it. So now I'm sitting here like, what will I be thinking? Which is the exact opposite of what I try to normally do of like, what am I going to be thinking 10 years from now? Is it going to be right? I'm like, no, 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 just do what feels right now. Um, but it's filling, filling me with a lot of questions because I, I don't know. I, well, it's not a magic day. You know? It's not like you turn 30 and then all of a sudden like the light comes on, but you're, I you're that, but I mean, I feel like my lights on, that's the different, like right, that's right. what's giving me stress. No, no. If your light's on, then you're doing great. <laughs> my light just wasn't on in my twenties. I was in super pain and hurt and stress. I felt the same way. I twenties were really, really tough. And I thought I was heading down like a trajectory that I wanted to be on, but it, everything just felt hard, like really, really hard. Um, and I would have these pockets of like, oh, this is right. I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm rocking. I'm, you know, doing the work I wanted to do and, and then, you know, redefining it and doing all these things and thirties hit. And I was like, oh, there's, there was just ease. For some reason there was like a little bit more ease and you could be a little bit more yourself and 40 girls, 40 is like the, it. I really love my forties. I feel like, and, and it could come anytime. I don't want to define it to an age, but maybe Paige, you're in the place where like, you're making dreams come true 
where you are right now. And I just held on to mine so deeply and didn't act on them. And I think looking back, that's the part that kind of makes me sad that I didn't act on them earlier. And I've had so many conversations with friends where they're like, it doesn't matter when your dreams come up and they're available for access. Like maybe all that time, it was just in you. And like, it just had to have the right time to pop out and forties that's when it's all popping out. So it feels pretty great to like be in this space and go, wow, okay. All, all the internal struggles or outward ones, the self-doubt, a lot of self-doubting, I think was twenties and, and early thirties. And then I just feel, I just feel full. I think that's my, my big word for like now in the past five years, I just feel really full. It's nice. That's amazing. What was the final, like the final push for Roots to Rise and getting it started and feeling like, okay, now I can do it. Now I can start or I'm yeah, so curious it, about it. It's like, it's creation. Cause I love <laughs> it so much. It's really, it's actually a really sweet story. So Eddie used to leave me these amazing smoothies or juices or just breakfast that he would bring me and leave me on my door and a cup of coffee, which was amazing. So I would open my door and like 6am and I'd be getting the kids ready. Um, because I was, you know, doing the single mama gig and there would be a cup of coffee, a note and a smoothie or a juice. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And um, he knew that I always wanted to cook. And so he was like, well, why don't you just do it? Why don't you just like make a company? And I was like, what do you mean make a company? Like that's like blowing my mind right now. What do you mean make companies? We could do this together. It'd be really fun. Like, let's just, let's find a way. Like, you love smoothies. I love smoothies, whatever. Let's just do smoothies. I'm like, that seems really weird. I said, you know, the company that I really want to build is the feeling that I got from opening my door and being taken care of. Like I've always loved to feed people and food is like giving somebody a piece of your soul for me. So it was like, that's what I want to do. I want somebody to come to their door and open it and have this like message for their day, a piece of joy and something delicious and healthy, like something that like nourishes from the inside out. And so he was like, okay, well, let's, let's start something. And so he actually did the research about doing cold pressed juices and nut milks, which is funny. Cause that's not, <laughs> that wasn't really where I was going. I really wanted to do food. Like I want like meals, like I want something delicious yet healthy and like just so tasty that you're like how am I eating something so good for me right now and like local I wanted to bring in local farms I wanted to like have all these little mini partnerships so started with having something at my doorstep to Eddie getting us a license to do cold fresh juices and nut milks and this just keeps growing and expanding and you know we added soups and we have granolas and you know there's so many more things that we just want to add and the little notes are coming. Like we have these, these really fun things. We call them sunny, happy days. Cause my daughter used to wake up in the morning and say, mom, is it a sunny, happy day today? And I was like, yeah, it's a sunny, happy day. And so it was like, what if that was your day? What if every day you started out with a sunny, happy day? It's like the most wonderful feeling to wake up with a little bit, a little body by you. That's like so excited just to start the day and then gratefully waiting for you. So pretty good start to a, to a dream, you know? What's um so cool to hear you talk about the beginning of, of the company and also talking about like, you know, why now? Like, why did it only happen in my forties that I was like ready to do this? I remember when we first met, like maybe like a year or a little more than a year ago, you were telling me like one of your motivations for why you wanted to keep doing Roots to Rise was because your girls would get into bed with you in the morning and say like, mom, are you working on your dream today? 
Yeah. And like that is so, I think about that really like a lot because it's just such a beautiful image, but it's also like such a beautiful, like, re, like explanation for why now, like if it had been 10 years totally. ago, they wouldn't get to see you doing this. Totally. And like they can watch you making your dream right now, which is so cool. Well, and I, it was so exhausting at the beginning. I remember at the beginning, just feeling like trying to do a full day job, full raising babies, full trying to take on a, like creating a new company. And we were, we were doing full yoga teacher training, which was quite a bit of work. And I was just tired. And the, the little one uh, was like, why are you so tired? I'm like, I'm just working too much, a little too much. And she was like, well, can you, can you not work too much? And Jade would go, whatever you do, just don't give up on your dream, mom. If your dream is to get to cook for other people and to feed them, then that should be the thing that you follow. And I think it's really cool that they're in it, even though they don't know how much of a piece of my past it was that had to come forward. And um, yeah, following your dream, it's pretty awesome. Just making it a reality and not being tired anymore. Like I don't, even though the work, <laughs> sometimes it's still, you know, midnight, 1am and I don't care because it's, it's like living in my dream, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. I've like said that to you before, Danny, like I called you in like tired, tired times and been like, how do you do it? <laughs> like, how do you stay motivated? Cause I'm tired, but I also have like stories in my head about what tired me does. And so like, just like the like introvert story that I tell myself, like I have a story about like when I'm tired, what I create is useless or when I'm tired, I can't, I'll work super, super hard on something and it won't work or it'll, you know, I'll do it really wrong or whatever. And so like, I also just like <laughs> two things happen to me at once, which is that I'm tired. So I lose all my confidence. And that's just based on like stories that I tell myself, but like, it is really, I think important. And I, something I really admire about you is to be able to like hold the dream firmly and say like, this is what I'm working toward. And even though I'm tired, I'm confident that I can at least take one more step toward the dream. You know, I'm not going to say I'm confident to like, you know, make every, every, everything I've ever wanted come true, but like, at least in this moment, midnight tired, but I'm doing something I really love. And that's the dream is that I'm doing something I love. Yeah. Um, I think I just didn't feel that for so long. Cause I didn't follow the the passion that was within me, right? Like I love to cook and I would always downplay it as something that was not real or not something that I should follow. And I, I think, I think I told you like my biggest and most joyful thing. Oh, first, before I forget sleep is not underrated. I love sleeping. You guys too. I really love sleep and everyone should totally get at least eight hours a night. So don't, don't short yourself on the sleep. But having that, like that passion go untouched for so long and not getting to like live in it. I just, I, you know, I, I, I'll read a cookbook before bed and then I go to sleep with these like swirling flavors and combos. And, you know, I've texted you, Megan, in the middle of the night, like, okay, we need to make a shiso syrup with a black pepper and rose, you know, like whatever, because it's like, I'm living the things that I didn't live or that I shut down for so long. And I think when it was dormant, maybe it was just like growing or bubbling. And now it's like, you know, explosion, let's do this. And it's, it's joy. It's like choosing joy every day to live the dream. That's that's my thought. That sounds really cliche and silly, but it does feel real to me. It sounds amazing. 
it's important because you know I think what where I get stuck is one step shy of that where like I I get stuck in the is this cliche is this naive and so like doubt like, yeah doubt exactly so I'm like one step short of pure joy when I'm doing something I love I'm really loving it but I'm also a little bit like half step back thinking like is this dumb is this not gonna work is this you know like and you know when I watch you and also when I work with you I'm both feet in joy you know and so like that's where like I need to be able to get like for myself is like just take a full step forward into joy instead of like we talked about this this last episode with um with Caro about like uh being afraid to hope because we don't want to like, we don't want to be wrong or something. You know, it's like, I want to be a little bit uh, doubtful of the future. So I can be like, aha, I knew it, you know, <laughs> or not have to really fall so far. And so like, you know, that's, that is something that I think I do a little bit is like this little, like half step away from joy and hope. Because I'm like, which is funny. Cause I see you in it. I see you living in joy. Like when you're outside oh, and yeah. you're creating, it's like the joy of putting your hands in the dirt and like watching you just like dissect my plant today for me and yeah. i'm like yeah this is so this little cool. aloe, like i was just even so though cool. somebody got an aloe that they didn't know they were supposed to have <laughs> no it's true well you know Paige, like you've said before too like you'll be editing the podcast and you're super tired but it'll be five hours later and you're like what <laughs> like how did it get to be five hours oh yeah all of my all of my whining about the podcast editing editing is totally for humor only i love doing it and it's again, it's like, I'm tired, but it's worth it. And it's something that for a while I said, I was, I wanted to do. It was one of those things you joke about of like, you'd make a good podcast host. You went to, and people aren't, I mean, whatever. We have like a hundred plays on our most listened to episode. It's not like we're changing the world here, but to say this was something I wanted to do. I feel like I have things to say and share. And I, I want to put something helpful out into the universe, whether it's getting picked up or not. And to be cool with the process being what it's about, not the product. Releasing it, like you talked about on the last episode, releasing it and letting it like live its own, its own life. I love that. Yeah. Letting it live its own life. And I get so much out of it. And I, I was thinking about it this morning, actually of like, what's the what's the end point for a podcast? Is it never like what? what, (laughs) Do we do this forever? (laughs) Well, what would, what would ever prompt me to want to stop? And I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's, I mean, that's right. Like that's when you know you're heading the right direction. Cause for me too, even though I'm always in doubt a little bit, and even though I'm like, I have, I am like holding myself like a tiny bit back just by like, for fear of jumping fully into my joyful place. Like, there's no circumstance I can imagine where I never garden again. There's definitely circumstances I can imagine where it's not my main business. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of circumstances I can imagine where my financial life is ruined yeah. and it's not my main business. But there's no circumstance that I imagine where I stop putting my hands in the dirt. Yeah. That doesn't happen. You know, and I think it's like when you can look at your life and say, like, this is necessary for me. Oh, yeah. Like, that's really like important like like page for you too like there's no time when you would stop hiking you know you're never gonna not go hiking (laughs) because that's like it's a passion for you like you have to be doing that it's interesting that you say that because that is true but I was I was thinking about my own 
day job, which people don't feel about their day job, but uh, I oh, totally I do. So I was just kind of having a, a moment of I don't I don't see a time when I could ever stop, like that I would be okay stop because I felt that way when I had my daughter, which was a really big shift of like okay, I am going to stop and I'm going to, and I left a different job, but now that I'm doing this one, it's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and have her and probably other children. And it's going to like, I have to do this work. So. It's probably why you're so settled in your twenties. Because you're living your dream. That's like the whole, yeah. Like that's gorgeous. Paige, that is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's, that's super inspirational and like such a wellness practice to find whatever the thing is that you gravitate towards, no matter what it is. And then like live it And that it's hard to get there. And I'm, it's very cool to see you talk about it and actually be in it. I, I, I know you have journals like this too, but I found a journal um, last week from Eddie and I sometimes have what we call art day where we just like go out in nature and like draw pictures of dreams and stuff. But like five years ago, we had an art day and we had both written down like our wildest dreams or whatever. And I just found it recently. And what it said was like, we live in a house with enough space for a garden and there's shelves for all of my jars of herbs and we each have one chair. (laughs) And um, I like read that and I showed it to Eddie and I was like, we did it. Like we did it. We have a space in a garden and the, all of our jars have shelves and whatever. And he, he was like, and we're really winning on chairs. We've got like six at least. Like we have so many more chairs than we expected. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, That's so good. Vision board complete. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, we're done. We got just enough chairs to be happy. <laughs> but at the time that felt crazy. Like that was my wild yeah. dream at the time was that we would have space where we were settled enough that I could plant in the ground and not in a pot and that we had lived in a house with enough shelves (laughs) that I could fit all my herbs, which at the time just like wasn't possible. So cool. So cool that to to look back at what yourself was from then, that makes me want to go pull out some of my old journals and see, see what it looked like then. It gives you a chance to look at your life now and say like, in what ways, maybe I haven't achieved my wildest dreams, but in what ways am I living my dreams? I think everybody has those. We just kind of forget about them. We deprioritize them. We say like, that's silly. Like exactly what you were saying, Danny, like that's naive or that's silly to feel like really hopeful about something. Yeah. To feed somebody and then watch the smile that comes across their face or to, you know, bring them joy from having the most beautiful garden and a cup of tea in it. You know, all of those things are like, the least silly things when you think about the fundamentals or the basics of human existence and connection. And that's, that's the wild part is that I, I look at what my dream is and the naivete that was associated with it. And then I go, wow, but that's actually at its most basic root, what we need as humans is like the connection, the food, the connection to our land and interaction. And like, that's, that's what I want to provide. And to me, I'm like, that's less naive than going and reading a crazy document for three hours and highlighting and circling what's wrong with it. Like that's actually more crazy than what, (laughs) yet it garners much more money than like (laughs) the simplicity. So we just have our priorities in life a little bit 
Topsy. Well, that kind of brings us back to like the community stuff. Cause I think that's like, that's, what's so beautiful about the food that you create is you're not just saying like, I want to be a chef. I was saying this to my mom today, actually, <laughs> I was talking about your potential brick and mortar. And I was saying like, I'm so confident in your ability to be successful in that particular space, even though like restauranting is like whatever, you know, you can read whatever statistics about restauranting, you know, but I'm so confident in your ability to do it because you're not just making food because, you know, with blinders on, I just want to make food that's delicious or I just want to make food that's creative and that's it. Like you do want to make food that's delicious. You do want to make food that's creative, but you also want to make food from that is made from ingredients from whom you know the farmer and you want to serve it to people who you know who you, and, and not necessarily like only to friends, but like if somebody comes into your restaurant, they're a friend because you're going to yeah. meet them and get to know them and ask them about their lives and get to know what would really nourish them and make your suggestions about what you serve that would suit them. You know, like you're just so attuned to like the, that, that connection building and it comes through in your food and it's not, yeah, it doesn't feel naive and it doesn't feel like, you know, silly or anything. It just feels like deeply important. Oh, you're making me emotional. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Here's another example. I was watching you cook for your kids today and they each wanted something different. And you were like, I know it's lunch and I know like there's a lot going on today, but like, it's important that they each get what nourishes them in this moment. So you were like giving them all their choices. And I've just never seen you know, because the priority often, I'm not trying to dunk on other parents who are busy and don't cook multiple <laughs> meals, but I'm just saying like, you know, for you, it's so important that your kids get that moment of like, pause, what would you like? What nourishes you? And then I super busy running around, but I'm going to make sure you get it and like meet that need. It's just such a beautiful way that you communicate love. So like, I was just like really in awe of it. Oh. Thanks, mama. I just think our bodies are so aware of what we need. And if you will let your body speak for what it needs, it usually will gravitate towards the right things. And so what I really want is like for, for me, for other people to go, well, what could my body want? And like be fully satiated, nourished and loved with. And sometimes it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And sometimes it's like an awesome curry that like every single element of it is going to like feel good going in and, and caring for you. So thanks, Megan. Thanks for noticing that. That was really that was a beautiful lesson for me. I was watching you and I was thinking like, first of all, like what a beautiful like daily expression of your love that you get to offer because not everybody's like passion is something that they get to do every day, every day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's like, it's really beautiful. First of all, that you get to use that way of expressing love to your kids, but also that you have created a space in which they can articulate clearly to you what they need. Like that is such an amazing skill. It's only, actually, it's only now happening because of COVID. So here's one of the blessings of COVID, right? Like we're all home in this space and we all get to like peer through our kitchens and figure out what cool things we can make that are here. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think about that every day. What are you guys, with all of the wisdom that you gain from people from each individual episode, like how do you keep track of what the practice is for today or for tomorrow or like, the next thing that you incorporate so that it doesn't feel overwhelming. What's your answer, Paige? Mine is, um, I don't keep track of it. Um, my whole philosophy in starting it and in 
doing anything for your life is to consume absolutely everything and then keep what sticks. And I feel like I say that way too often, but uh, I, I know which practice I'm going to follow or what I'm going to do with my day or how I'm going to think. If something's coming up for me in a moment, if it's rising up to the surface, then that's something that's stuck. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of things that we have talked about that I am not doing. Um, <laughs> even if I think they're a good idea, but for whatever reason, they're not sticking, especially some of our like really standard food and sleep type tips. I'm not doing those at all. I'm like, I'm, I'm eating what works. I'm getting through the day. I'm having a protein bar in the car while I'm driving. Like I'm doing three cups of coffee instead of one for the last two weeks that just certain things they're not sticking at all. So that's too long of an answer, but my short answer is that the, the things that have stuck are doing so naturally. And I'm just kind of letting them rise up the way that I would any other habit. And it's been great. I mean, we, we make callbacks every episode to another, this is what we were talking about, or I've said this before, but, or I've done this. And even in our conversations tonight, I'm pulling things from past discussions to kind of build a new viewpoint in real time. Uh, And that's, it's so fun to feel, to feel it happening, to know where these pieces of me are starting to come from and to see a conversation really touch me in a way that then I want to share it with the next guest or say, well, when we were talking, you know, just like you said, well, when we were talking to Kara, we said this and about letting things go. And it just, it carries over really naturally for me. And I think if I was writing it down, if I was keeping tabs on, you know, whatever X practice I said, I'd feel a lot of pressure, a lot of guilt if I didn't do it, a lot of, uh, commitment to these silent listeners that aren't even really out there to begin with that like oh I'm not living up to something I'm supposed to do and so I'm just not even trying to do that at all I'm just letting it all exist for what it is yeah for me the the way and it's funny that I started this episode by saying like I don't I'm bad at community or like I'm bad at connection because actually the way that like my connections live inside my body is that I am really clear on who said that, (laughs) you know, like I picture when I, when I hear uh, a phrase or a a sentence or whatever, or an idea in my head, I can imagine the person who said it. I can't always imagine when they said it or how they said it, but I'm pretty clear in my memory of like who taught me things. And um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not writing anything down either. I'm not being really strict about like, oh, this is the week that we're focusing on like walking meditation. And this is the week that I'm supposed to be eating intentionally. But I am in the moment, just like Paige is saying, like in the moment, I'll reach for my, you know, variety of toolbox, you know, my toolbox that has all the tools that I use. And it's larger than it used to be. And when I reach for something that I have not tried before, I think like, what did Caro teach me or what did Zorana teach me or what did Melissa teach me or what did Danny teach me? And I'll try it and I'll think about the conversation and I'll also like get to kind of relive the connection with the person. So that's like how I'm using this podcast is like, I'm just kind of living in the connections of these conversations. And like, yeah, like, like Paige was saying, like not every tool, you know, is the one that I'll end up using in the moment, but certainly like my, range of tools is broader and also like the connections are really present for me so like I also know now a lot more clearly like 
you know, well, what did Maddie suggest? And maybe I'll shoot Maddie an email and say like, I was thinking about what you said, or, you know, to send Melissa a text, thinking about what you said on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm able to utilize those connections too. But no, I, I don't think we're like <laughs> transformed people necessarily. I mean, in some ways, absolutely. In some ways, I do think I'm a totally transformed person since we started doing this in the sense that like what I'm doing differently, I wouldn't have done if we hadn't started this podcast. Yeah. So in some ways, I'm totally transformed. But in other ways, like I'm still just trying out tools and seeing what works in the moment. I just love that you guys have a platform for other people to listen because Truly, I am one of your people that has listened to every single episode, seriously. And I love it so much because there is always a nugget and you guys find it at the end, like when you have your conversations at the end. And even if it's not something that's like an intentional shift in the way that I'm going to change my wellness practice or incorporate something into my life, the momentary knowledge of it will come back. Like it's, it's going to come back. And um like I, and I can hear your, your, the people that you've had on the show say something and it will come back to me in their voice too. So I, I hear that too, Megan, where I'm like, oh, I, I remember when total true example, when Melissa shared about the anxiety and not wanting to call people back and, and how that, that keeps her from feeling like people understand her. She actually explained it. I've now started seeing people in that light where I go, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like when I called you the other day. Megan and I was like, I'm just calling you, but you can hang up on me because if you have anxiety about picking up the phone right now, like you do not need to talk to me. I can say that too. But for other people, like I had, because I don't experience it, it's tough for me to understand it. So like you guys are opening my eyes and my heart up in a much different way to like have an understanding of other people's practices. So thank you. It's it's a big deal. I'm proud of you guys. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me that you you listen, but it also means a lot to me that you see the ways in which I've changed, you know, like, because I, I meant it, like, you you were right, you totally called me out, and I'm not a super interpreted person who, like, has no connections, like, you guys were right, I was just telling myself a story at the beginning, but it is true that my entire life has changed in the past year and a half, and a lot of that has to do with the empowerment that you've offered me, but also, like, the connections that you've invited me into, and like the people that you've introduced me to, you know, like just the ways that my world has broadened in the past, maybe it's been longer than a year and a half. I can't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's closer to like closer two, to year. two, yeah, two and a half years, which is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean like in that time period, like really everything has changed for me and a lot. Me too, time. especially my tea drinking habits. I just have to share that I'm drinking wild walking wild herbs. And this is my new process with Madeline at night is that we make our little um, anxiety together and she puts honey and I don't because I just like the taste of the chamomile, but you have literally like in the most simplest way, you've nourished me back with this. This stuff is like out of control, like just rocks my world every night. It's such a good, why can I not think of the word? Cause it's late. Cause it's past my bedtime. <laughs> Cause I love my sleep. Um, Let you go to bed ritual it's my ritual at night and I love it and it's so great and um so thank you for for changing my life for the good too <laughs> thank you love fest love 2020 that's <laughs> 2020 I feel like every time I talk to you it's I don't know I don't have a product to contribute to supper club but I'm gonna figure out a way to just kind of weasel my way in there with something we need just like energy like because every time and we're not doing it obviously like live the way that we used to during COVID but like I think the biggest 
thing that you could offer to Supper Club, which I actually like now that you've mentioned it, like you have to come because like both Danny and I are like, idea, execution, idea, execution. And we need grounding, man. Like, and See, you- we are, we are like up here. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm the right person for that. The right person for that. I have been cooking in a, in a crazy kitchen with you so many times for like big family events and stuff. Like, do you remember one time I just was thinking about this the other day, we made donuts, like jelly filled donuts for like what? a huge quantity of people one time. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we've done like some stressful cooking before. Wait, like you guys fried them and then inserted the little, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not a great, we could never do it again. I look at the picture of us with the plate of like, I know that we did it. I have a vague memory, but I look at that and I'm like, like, what were we doing? Yeah. But you've been in that space with me before and you are an incredibly calming grounding presence. We, yeah, you're a necessary part of the supper club now because we need that energy in the, in the kitchen. We scored another. Okay, well, we'll let you go to sleep because I know it's super late. <laughs> thank you so much, Danny. This was absolutely Oh my gosh, oh my thank goodness, you guys. Thank you. Like my heart is full and like, I'm, I love you guys. Thank you. This is super huge. Sleep well, be well, choose some joy. Choose some joy. Choose some put joy. both feet into it. Yeah, like get all messy in it. That's what I say. Just put your, put your big rain boots on, you know, my big unicorn rainbow rain boots and jump right in. Oh, I love you so much. Love you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Mindful Body and Soul is sponsored by Walking Wild Herbs, a Shepherdstown, West Virginia-based herbal tea and garden consultation business. At Walking Wild Herbs, we believe in the healing power of silence, gentle movement, breath, and spending time in relationship with nature. Each of our herbal tea blends, gardening classes, workshops, recipes, and events are created with the intention of sharing sacred space wherever we can. Where could you use a little sacred space? For 10% off any of our teas, classes, or garden consultations, use the code MINDFUL at checkout. Visit us at walkingwild.org. She was so stunning to talk to Mm -hmm. and so humble yeah it was like I felt like at the I don't know I felt like we were being interviewed by the end (laughs) why are you being so nice to us (laughs) yeah no she does have um an incredible ability you know we talk about her ability to make connections but she also has this incredible ability to make people feel safe and heard and uh, understood and appreciated that it's just like, yeah, totally. It's like by the end of a conversation, you're like, oh, thank you. Like what a gift you've offered me. You know, she and I have a little habit of like the day after we talk or the day after we see each other, we send each other these like very long thank you notes (laughs) because it's just, it is, it's like such a gift to get to spend time in her presence and to be supported by her. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, she's really phenomenal and was such an example of coming into, I don't even know the like how I'm trying to phrase what I want to say, but it, it took her a while to really go for what she wanted and feel content in her work and find, you know, to say like, I'm finally doing what I want to be doing. And um, it's a really nice gift that she offers in kind of being vulnerable and saying, you know, like, 
you know, we were kind of joking, like you're in your twenties, I'm in my thirties and she's in her forties. And like, we were joking about like how you kind of gain like, levels of certainty with the different decades. And of course that's not true in, you know, in reality, like everybody has their own path, but it is just so, it's such a gift for her to offer to us, you know, that there's been these different phases of her life that, you know, like we read at the beginning, this long list of the things that describe her titles, you know, of being a mom, being a connector, being a chef. And all of those things kind of like keep adding on. It's like ands rather than ors or wishing that you had done something different or like regretting the past. Or it's just like, it, she's kind of offered like this glimpse into like what it looks like to just keep saying yes and to more full, more additional. Um, I don't know. I really admire that in her too, that she's always like saying not that, not that she has no boundaries since we talked about this too, but like that she's saying yes to expanding her vision of herself and what she mm -hmm. can create and like what she can hold space for. It's just, I don't know. Also just commendable to be working in a business capacity with your partner. Like I, I don't know if I could do it. Michael said that mm -hmm. to me once and said, Yo, let's start a business. We can do that. It's like, what would it be? And no. So when she was describing that, just like their collaboration for Roots, I was so, I was so impressed. It's like, I don't know how you guys function, but way to go, especially with children. Oh boy. Yeah. Now she's, I, I call her often and I'm like, where do you get the energy or like, what do you, what do I do next? You know, how, how do I motivate for this next thing? And, you know, and she's really kind in her response because it's twofold. It's first of all, you don't just get more energy, you know? So like rest is really important. Taking care of your body is really important. Eating nourishing food, making sure that you're kind of reevaluating those boundaries and then also um, getting excited. So like, she'll kind of help me like talk through like, well, what's, what is it that I'm trying to create? If I'm resisting doing it, is it because it's not something I'm excited about? Or did I just need to talk about it, start visualizing it and then get really energized about like, oh, I know exactly what I need to do next. Yeah, she had such a such an ease. Yeah. With I feel like advice. all I'm the conclusion is like, don't you guys wish you were all great friends with Danny? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the wellness practice for the week. Wellness Become friends with Danny. Really good friends with Danny. <laughs> my personal wellness practice this is my personal wellness practice it's so important to me <laughs> i used to get really upset so okay hang on elizabeth gilbert wrote that book big magic um that was about creativity and like artists and the whole book is about like finding the thing like finding your one thing that you could do all day every day for the rest of your life and feel super happy with and then just keep doing it all day every day until you're an absolute expert you know, and her whole thing is like, as long as you keep making art or you keep writing, you're going to be successful because you just keep doing it. And um, I read that book and I was mad. I hated that book because at that time in my mid twenties, I was feeling really scattered. There was a lot of stuff that interested me. And I was just like, no, Liz, like, no, I can't just know one thing. I don't have an always known my one thing. That's not how my brain works. And that what that doesn't help me, you know? <laughs> and um there was this one little line though, where she's describing her parents and she's saying her parents like live on a farm in the Midwest or something. And that they were always like 
raising chickens and then like starting a garden and then doing, you know, this, that, and the other. And they were kind of homesteading. And she said, like, I think that their passion is in curiosity and not in any one particular thing. And I read that and I was like, okay, Liz, like that's the only part of this entire book that relates to me <laughs> because the rest of the book is about like doing your one thing over and over again and getting great at it. And that doesn't, yeah. you know, I can get behind the idea of pursuing curiosity as a passion like that works for me. I like that a lot. And then it was so funny because she put that book out and then she was on like an Oprah talk or something. And she like apologized for the whole premise of the book and was like, I wrote this book, put it out in the world and then realized that not everybody's like me and has one passion they've always known is their thing. Like, sorry, (laughs) you know, basically just saying like the book had a blind spot, which is that there's a whole group of people whose passion is curiosity, is finding out more, learning more, asking questions, trying different things. And doing that is as valuable (laughs) as just doing the one thing over and over again for your whole life. Yeah. That gave me a lot of permission at a time when I was super conflicted in my twenties of being like, but I haven't figured out the thing yet. What am I going to do? You know? And then eventually I figured out the thing and I only really got comfortable with the thing in my (laughs) thirties. You know, so like, like I said, there is safety in knowing like, oh, this is my thing. And now everything else feels okay and easy because I know my thing. But there's also like, hopefully maybe me saying this or maybe Liz Gilbert saying this can give a little bit of, um, if not a feeling of safety, then at least a a hope toward safety of knowing like, if you don't know the thing, first of all, not everybody has a thing. So you don't have to have a thing to feel safe and clear. And also maybe it'll come to you later in life or it'll be something for your twenties and then it'll change. It'll be something else for your thirties and then it'll change, you know, and that's all of those paths are okay. Some people like her, like they, she's a wonderful writer and she wanted to write every day for the rest of her life. And so far she has, and everything she writes is wonderful. Um, and that's her craft. I don't have a craft like that, but I really like plants. <laughs> you know, It's important. It's- it's an important distinction to make because I would, I, yeah, I'd argue that that is my blind spot of just like, just do the thing you love. And then yeah. like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, how? <laughs> right. I mean, now it's confusing. Yeah. yeah. It was super confusing me for me for a really long time when I was super lost, like darkest, darkest, dark. Um, I was in like a women's circle that met once a week, once a month um, to like, celebrate the changing of the moon and like the seasons and whatever and kind of just like to be there for one another and there was an artist in the group who was doing portraits of women and her approach was and it was a beautiful idea was that she was creating these portraits that would capture like the inner essence of the person so she would like speak with you and learn about you and then create a portrait that like really shows who you are and I was terrified to like speak with her because I was yeah. like, I don't want, I, I was like, I have no idea what my essence is or like who I, like if you were to really distill me down to like an image of myself, like I have no idea what that person looks like at that time. I feel like now I have a much better, clearer idea of what that person looks like. But at the time I was so lost and confused that I was like, don't even look at me. <laughs> like, please don't talk to me. Please don't look at me because I was so scared to be perceived incorrectly. And I was so 
unclear on how, first of all, how I perceive myself, secondly, how I wanted to be perceived, and then thirdly, and most importantly, like what's true about myself. Um, and so I was just so con confused that I was like horrified at the idea of somebody like painting me or like creating an image that identifies me. And now, years later, like I think back on that time of being that scared to be seen and being like, oh, I see, like, I understand now why I felt that way. I was really confused. I didn't know what my thing was. I think we're giving everyone the, like the full spectrum because that story stressed me out for the exact opposite reason <laughs> of like, okay, if I'd have to talk to this lady, my self-work these last couple of years has been the complete opposite, which like knowing who I am was one of my identity traits in itself of like, I know how I am. I know how I function. I know what I'm good at. I know what I love. I know what I'm passionate about. I know like what my weaknesses are. I know how I'm going to respond to this, this, this. It was like this set little formula of the person that I was. And I have been deconstructing that deeply the last three years or so where it was like, oh, I don't have to go to grad school just because I don't have to do this thing because it's what I would do. Like I had it in my brain of what I would do or how I would respond or how I'd be. And I would meet with that lady and be like, use these colors and this picture and this animal and this thing. Like I'd have it. I'd, I'd tell her what to do because I knew exactly how I presented myself. And I think for me, it was such a detriment to have all of these definitions and in some sense labels of like who I was it didn't allow me any room for growth at all because it was this like I've solved it and I and I didn't do any more work after that and that's crazy I'm different every day when I wake up and now I'm really trying to let myself respond and interact with my world the way that it is rather than this like preconceived person that I think that I am I think I said that you know in our last like recap chat of like, I immediately said all of my like, oh, here's who I am. And then took it all back and was like, actually, I'm really working to just like be none of those things. <laughs> so it's, I don't know if you, if you know your thing and you feel really strongly about your identity, maybe put some effort into the other end. And if you don't know your thing, go the other way. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to like that whole being able to hold the future and the present in two hands, you know, like, it, because, you know, no matter, for me, I've been, all, all that I meant to say by sharing all these stories is like, I've been at different places of like confusion and clarity. And they're not, I'm not saying like, I used to be confused and now I'm clear. I'm, I imagine it as like cyclical, <laughs> like sometimes I'm confused and sometimes I'm clear and that's fine. But when I hold the future and the present in two hands, I'm holding the future really gently because it will shape shift and it will change, not maybe, but certainly like it absolutely will change. And so I hold that future vision really, really loosely and try to really firmly ground in like, what am I doing right now? You know, and, and the only reason why I even have my fingertips on the future is just to kind of have a general idea of like what direction to go. <laughs> but the direction is constantly changing, but just like in this moment where I am right now, I'm doing this thing and I'm vaguely walking like in, you know, East you know, or whatever. And then like the direction may shift, but at least at any given moment, I'm rooted in my present. Am I enjoying this? Is this something that I'm excited about? 
something that feels good? And also, am I walking in a direction that feels right today? <laughs> you know? And so to me, like, yeah, there's this whole spectrum of like clarity and confusion. And I think it's like, it is probably cyclical, it probably changes constantly, <laughs> at least for me. And I don't know how important it is to like identify yourself on the like, I have a passion or I'm a curiosity person. Like, I don't know that that's even really a useful dichotomy. And I only really raised it to be able to say like, that's where confusion can come in or like that can get you kind of off the track of holding future and present in both hands and being able to say, I'm just okay with what I'm doing right now because it's exciting and it lights me up. And in whatever way that I can right now, I'm doing the thing that makes me happy. And I'm looking toward like a direction that looks exciting or safe or taking action and making choices like the future is coming, but uh, never having an expectation for it at all. Yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs) Acknowledging that the future exists. (laughs) Yeah, I need it to be there for like the work that I'm doing to make sense, but uh, I'm never going to expect anything from it. And, you know, Danny's like central premise of like, checking in on your dream, you know, and again, like reiterating that the dream doesn't have to have architecture, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't have to be designed yet, but if there's a way you want to be feeling or, you know, a central, like I just want to feed people, or I just want to, you know, be in community. I mean, I'm trying to get this into like a salient practice without like getting too bogged down. Obviously I'm getting really bogged down. But what I'm trying to imagine is like, if you have a little dream, even if it's not a job or it's a, not a, a business idea or whatever, but it's just a little dream of something that you're like, that sounds nice. Like hold on to it and like, see if you can make it. See if you can make it. And also I'm going to add trust in another person to build something with you. If you are wanting to make something or start something or do something, talk to somebody about it. Cause I would not have done a podcast without you. You would not have done supper club without Danny. Every, everything in my experience from the people that I'm speaking, no one's just like going at it alone, doing some big thing that they really wanted to do. It's always like, Oh, I shared this with so-and-so and they felt the same. And they like, I don't know. I, I would encourage everyone to like share, share your idea with another person, whatever it is, if it's to do something or make something, read something, eat something. Like if you, if you want to do something that you haven't done, tell another person about it and maybe they'll do it with you. Yeah. I think that's, um, we can like delete everything I just said, you know, <laughs> and just come to this. Cause I think that's a really good practice is to share your idea or your spark of an idea or your feeling of an idea, even if the idea is not fully formed, share it with another human. And if that human doesn't receive it, find a different human and keep sharing it, you know, like just keep sharing the dream until you find a person who's able to hear and hold that dream with you and yeah, maybe make it happen. Oh, I hope so. I just want like a mil. I want a million text messages in like two weeks. That's like I'm starting my business. I'm doing this. <laughs> be so nice. Yeah. I think. I mean, it has. It does. It is the case that like making connection can create all kinds of amazing things. For me, like bravery is one, the biggest one. Is like mm-hmm. one of the biggest benefits that I've received from every time that I've connected with another human is that it makes me like a tiny bit braver to try something. 
you know, even if the person I'm talking to is like, I'm not going to do that with you, but like, sounds good, you know, or, you know, the other reaction that you might get when you share your idea with somebody is that they disagree or they try to like add on and they start saying, well, oh yeah. And you should try, and you should do this, or you should do this instead. And if your body is like, no, 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 that's great. That's amazing information. That means you are super clear on what your dream is. Cause you know what it's not, you know what it looks like. And like, that's good feedback. I like it. I like it too. I don't dream know. Searching. Dream making. Don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> dream making. <laughs> well, great. All right. Um, let me know if you need anything. Okay, dokie. I love you. Love you. Bye.